the sounds ever familiar of the blockade on Parliament Hill. It may not seem like it, but it's been less than two months since that convoy rolled into Ottawa, billed as a protest against vaccine mandates, wound up being a three-week blockade that saw the Prime Minister invoke the Emergencies Act for the first time since it had been brought into into force in the mid-80s to help authorities bring an end to the blockade. Several blockade leaders, several organizers were arrested. They now face strict bail, bail conditions. But what have we learned about those who took part? And what does that tell us about what may lie ahead for what had been a disparate group now brought together during those weeks in Ottawa? And of course, the blockades and border crossings across the country as well. Well, freelance investigative reporter Justin Ling looked into this for a long piece published in the Toronto Star over the weekend called, Was It Really About Vaccine Mandates or Something Darker? The Inside Story of the Convoy Protests. And Justin Ling joins me now. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really interesting. I mean, it, it, I was looking at the date the con the Freedom Convoy started, and it's hard to imagine it was less than two months ago. It feels like it feels like time has gone by very quickly since, with all that's going on elsewhere in the world. But you took a, a look back at uh, at sort of the legacy of that month, and found that for the organizers, that uh, there, there is there is going to be a legacy, or at least a lasting impact of what came together. Uh, on Wellington Street over that period of time. What did you find out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the most important takeaway is just the degree to which this was not a sort of spontaneous, natural, organic, grassroots response to a policy decision, right? You know, this is an idea that um, became pretty prevalent maybe even standard uh, in certainly all the communications they were putting out, but I think also in, in a lot of the news coverage is this idea that it was always about the, if not the, the, the mandates, the vaccine mandates for truckers, at the very least vaccine mandates writ large. And from the very beginning, I've been kind of pushing this idea that, you know, that is the talking point. That is what they, you know, the, the organizers have wanted to put forward, but that does not necessarily mean it's the case. If you really start scratching at the surface and trying to understand who the organizers were, how they were recruiting people to join the cause, who was showing up in Ottawa, what they really believed. Yeah, for sure. They oppose vaccine mandates. And yeah, for sure. They oppose mask mandates and uh, the the vaccine passport system and lockdown measures and curfews and business closures and so on and so forth. They kind of opposed in some ways everything about the pandemic. But they also were motivated by a set of conspiracy theories that really told them that the world is much sort of more nefarious and uh, that you know governments and politics in the West are much more controlled by foreign and special interests than they really are, right? This is a conspiracy theory that tells them that a group called the World Economic Forum has much, much more sway and influence than anyone uh, truly, you know, anyone in the mainstream truly realizes, and that there's in fact an effort afoot to sort of you know, kneecap um, you know, domestic politics in this country, and that uh, the prime minister and his cabinet and the media and the and public health officials, they're all bought and sold by this shadowy cabal based in Switzerland. And that this you know, protest in Ottawa was really the last stand between 
you know, our democracy, freedom, uh, and uh, tyranny managed by this 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 shadowy group. And it, it it you know it sounds outlandish. It sounds almost unbelievable. But uh, you know, in doing all this work, it became incredibly apparent the degree to which this is the idea that motivated a ton of the organizers, and this is the idea that brought a ton of people out uh, from their communities to go and 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 camp in downtown Ottawa for three weeks. And it really is this idea. That yeah, this is I mean, a, an illegitimate yeah. government run by. I mean, if you've ever tried to organize an interview with with the with the uh, with the uh, WEF, you would know that they're probably not capable of controlling the world. But but uh, but they're it, barely it, capable of organizing a conference every year. Exactly. So, but this has taken root. I mean, this is something that people believe. Absolutely. And I mean, and, and I, it, again, it sounds incredibly unbelievable, but, you know, go back in time. And this isn't actually, this is just a repackaging of a conspiracy theory that has ensnared millions. Um, you go back to the early 20th century and a group of, um, you know, folks in the in the czarist court in, in uh, St. Petersburg um, convinced a significant number of people that a shadowy cabal of, of Jewish bankers were in fact um, running St. In, in, in Russia, um, and they, they forged a document called the Protocols of the Elders of Zion to convince uh, the country of exactly that. Um, this was a document that later got adopted by uh, Adolf Hitler in, in Mein Kampf. Um, that idea got kind of rebranded and, and recast in the 1960s um, as an anti-communist fervor convincing the world that there was a, a internationalist socialist movement um, that uh, was was hell-bent or maybe had already succeeded in, in influencing uh, John F. Kennedy Jr.'s government. Um, you saw it pro- pro- crop up again in the 1990s. Folks like Alex Jones, um, shortwave radio broadcasters, the militia movement all pushed the idea that uh, the the UN and the Bilderberg Group and a whole bunch of others were secretly pulling the strings in Washington. It was actually a you know a main motivator behind why uh, Timothy McVeigh committed the Oklahoma City bombing. He believed that American uh, sovereignty was um, at the cusp of being kind of destroyed altogether, and that he had to act in order to kind of thwart these these globalist uh, figures. You know, it is a core belief behind the QAnon movement. It is a core idea behind a ton of people who support uh, Donald Trump, who who tend to believe that there's there's something kind of more nefarious afoot. So it's not bizarre to. Think Think that this is, is this is a motivating factor for hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people in this country. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think we have to sort of, you know, suspend our disbelief a bit and accept that this is something that, that actually could motivate a significant number of people. And I, you know, and I, you, it's it's an idea that you've seen expressed explicitly by James Botter, the guy who started the convoy, started the group called Canada Unity. Uh, he has also endorsed the QAnon movement outright. You know, He believes the World Economic Forum and its founder, Klaus Schwab, have um, some sort of incredibly uh, powerful influence over the Canadian government. Pat King, uh, one of the most influential organizers who brought it, who actually led this sort of convoy out of Alberta, same thing. He's also expressed the idea that our you know political leaders 
are working to dilute the power of white Canadians in order to instill this globalist agenda. Um, uh, Tamara Leach uh, helped organize an event for a guy named Tom Quiggin in Alberta, uh, who uh, has expressed the idea that not only is the World Economic Forum responsible for this, they've made common cause with an Islamist conspiracy, and that uh, the the global Islamic movement is um, is inherently extremist and violent, and that the Canadian Muslim community has you know deep infiltration by the, the Muslim Brotherhood and, and, and extremist elements. Um, uh, you know, the guy who produces his podcast, Benjamin Dichter, is one of the core organizers of the occupation of the convoy. So I don't mean to sound a conspiracy theorist myself. My point is that a ton of the people who organize this have a long history peddling this exact uh, conspiracy theory and others like it. They're the ones who you know have talked explicitly for many, many years about the idea that the world economic form in this globalist conspiracy is trying hard to destroy our democracy. And they understood all too well how a convoy to Ottawa could um, bring together all those disparate movements and could help really um, you know, put them on the map. Many of these people were involved in the 2019 convoy to Ottawa against carbon pricing um, that also had some extremist and, and conspiracy elements to it. Uh, so they know all too well how easy it is to, to get you know, uh, some rigs into Ottawa and kind of shut down the downtown core. And the people who came along with them, you know, I've heard the idea that maybe the organizers are, are sort of out to lunch, but that the everyday folks who turned out in Ottawa were, you know, salt of the earth, bread and butter people who don't have, who don't share the same beliefs. But by and large, I saw this world economic uh, form theory pop up on signs. I overheard it in conversation. People said it explicitly to me. I saw it on um, occupiers and protesters, Facebook pages. They said it in interviews. It was on live streams that uh, talked to random people on the street. The idea, it was it was next to impossible to go into Ottawa for those three weeks and not hear someone, if not most people, talk about the World Economic Forum and the impending globalist takeover of this country. And it was all wrapped up in the idea that there needed to be some bigger explanation for the last two years. There needed to be some deeper um, you know, reason for why you know, people have died en masse, why people have been locked indoors, why businesses closed, why our, you know, in their eyes, our rights have been taken away for no reason. And, and, and the best answer people have come up with is this shadowy cabal based in Switzerland, uh, you know, run by a German guy. I'm speaking with investigative journalist, freelance journalist, Justin Ling, about uh, an article he wrote this weekend for the Toronto Star, looking at the impact, the lasting impact, uh, diving a bit deeper into the into the so-called Freedom Convoy and also looking at what the impact of that could be. And we'll get to that after this. We'll talk a bit about now that the convoy and the protests are done, the blockade is over, um, several of the organizers are facing criminal charges. What is the legacy going to be? We'll be back with that. I'm back with freelance reporter Justin Ling. We're talking about an article he wrote for the Toronto Star over the weekend, really looking at, broadly looking at the lessons learned from the blockade in Ottawa and also where these movements, disparate as they were, that came together in Ottawa, where they may go now. One of the things you brought up that was interesting was just the security establishment um, took this very seriously. Uh, they, they, they had an idea of what was coming. 
at least according to the people you spoke to? So, yeah, you know, I've seen reports from the Integrated Terrorism Assessment Center or ITAC, which, you know, is is basically kind of a low level terrorism um, intelligence agency. They produce reports often for uh, police officers, for first responders, for municipal police forces. And and in these reports, they warn specifically in mid-January that the folks coming to Ottawa, while they may have legitimate grievances, have elements within them that are motivated by extremists and that folks associated with this have expressed the idea that our leaders are treasonous and should be hanged. And they made clear that there was a strong possibility that at least some of the convoy would stick around in Ottawa uh, long enough for MPs to come back from winter break so that they can confront them directly, because we've seen this in the past. Um, you know, Looking at these reports and talking to some folks around the intelligence world who say that there were briefings happening about certain uh, particular groups that were present, uh, I think it became clear to me that, frankly, our intelligence service is still behind the ball um, when it comes to some of these movements, because certainly I think I could have probably written a more uh, you know, prescient uh, report for our, our government than, than the ones I was reading. But nevertheless, they still picked up on, on the real risk that was present in this convoy. And they were right in some respects. Some of the groups that were present um, you know, did co- were there for cause for concern. You know, while there was, um, you know, while the the protest in Ottawa, the occupation in Ottawa may have been um, uh, the cause for significant harassment of people in the city, may have made people feel unsafe, um, may have had low-level acts of violence. It overall did not pose a major, in the end, you know, it, it did not cause significant disruption. It did not lead to a significant attack. But you did see arrests made in Alberta and British Columbia, um, an instance where a, a number of people were arrested uh, with a allegedly with a cache of weapons and a plan uh, to kill RCMP officers. And a arrest made in BC where somebody showed up with a military vehicle and, and drove through a police barricade. I mean, you know, this is um, significant acts or alleged acts or planned acts of, of domestic terrorism. And, 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 and frankly, I, I still don't think we've reckoned with that. I think we've sort of moved on from the occupation and gone, well, that could have gone worse. And now we're sort of forging ahead. But I, I, I really think it's time to start genuinely worrying about what some of this movement means for the country. Now, the sort of good news, if I can call it that, of movements like this, whether it's QAnon, whether it's the folks who believe that the World Economic Forum is is you know is, is a threat to our democracy, or other um, you know similar kind of fifth column style movements, the vast majority of people are going to be peaceful. The vast majority of people may be misinformed, maybe maybe prone to conspiracy thinking, but they they're genuine and they're earnest in their beliefs. And 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 frankly, I, I think we would do well not to demonize all of them because um, I, I I think these people. By and large, there's some big exceptions, but by and large, are not homophobic. They're not. They're not sexist. They're not racist. Um, you know, it is a movement that does have sort of diversity within it, and they they are genuinely hopeful that they can prevent you know socialism or tyranny or autocracy or whatever. Um, from coming to this country and from ruining our way of life. And and they may be misinformed, like I said, but they're still doing so earnestly. But there is a contingent amongst them who think that violence is necessary to achieve those ends. There is a contingent amongst them who are also members of other far-right and extremist movements that are homophobic and racist and sexist and so on. Um, and there are people amongst this movement who are using it for their own ends, who realize that these people have been alienated from the media and from government and institutions 
institutions and, and modern life in a big way, and who see them as a vehicle for their own ends, who think they can recruit these people for their own ends. And, and all of those things pose a serious um, national security threat. Um, you know, we, we forget all too soon that it was just last year that a guy who, again, inspired by QAnon, inspired by this World Economic Forum conspiracy theory, drove to the front gates of, uh, of Rideau Hall with a plan to potentially kill the prime minister. You know, we forget that there have been you know, serious um, planned attacks throughout North America, or in some cases, successful ones, where people have been motivated by this sort of anti-government delusion. Um, so we, we, we have to stop sort of um, brushing this off and hoping things get better. This is a problem that's not going away. You actually heard the prime minister's national security advisor uh, in the last few weeks say exactly that. This is a problem that is here to stay, and it's time we start wrestling with it. Justin Ling, thank you so much for your insight and great article. Thank you for uh, for diving into it. Thanks for having me.